you can't predict some of this stuff. Yeah. What you can do, you can prepare. Hello and welcome to Pillars of Wealth Creation, where we talk about creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. Now, let's get to it. Hello and welcome back to Pillars of Wealth Creation. I'm your host, Todd Dexter. With me, I'm excited to have Roger King. Roger, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm outstanding. How are you, Todd? I am doing excellent. And we had the pleasure of talking prior to uh, hitting the record button. Roger yeah. lives in Puerto Rico right now, uh, originally from the States, grew up in Cincinnati, and then moved like everywhere all over the u.s yeah. and now has transplanted into puerto rico so yeah super awesome amazing uh and you know that's one of the one of the joys of being an entrepreneur is you can have that flexibility and being a real estate investor like roger is you get that flexibility he's able to run and operate properties all over the country and be yeah. in Puerto Rico in paradise every single day for the last, what, well, you said year and a half or so? Year, year and a half, yeah. That's yeah. amazing. So a little bit about Roger. He, uh, he's he been in the industry for over 27 years. We're going to talk a bit about that, Roger, about your journey through the, the years, because obviously we're in a weird time right now. Yeah. Uh, and his, his, his portfolio... Uh, currently valued over fifty million. Just kind of a uh, a, a great journey, and and uh, you know, a lot of a lot of different experience. You know, a lot of property flips, ground up development, luxury homes, yeah. um, apartment buildings, mobile home parks, uh, and so on. So, Roger, with yeah. that said, give our listeners a bit more about your background, and then we're going to dive in. Yeah, sure. Hey, and thank you, Todd, for having me. I, I appreciate being uh, being here and uh, getting to uh, experience, you know, the, the what everybody else has gotten to. I guess you're over 600 episodes, and I'm yeah. I'm I'm honored that you would uh, allow me to come on as well. Um, you know, I started life as a, a musician. You know, in huge dreams of becoming a famous rock star. What was and your instrument of choice or was it a singer? I, I'm a drummer. You're although, a drummer. yeah, I mean, I, I always wanted to be a singer, but just yeah, never, you know, it takes a, a certain personality type to get up in front of everybody. I had, you know, for decades, the, uh, the curtain of the, the drum yeah. set in front of me and, and uh, you know, the comfort blanket. So, you know, but, but I loved it. Uh, I still love it. I still play. I still have a drum set upstairs. I still own 12 drum sets. But, you know, unlike many of my friends that I um, I grew up with and, and went to college with, um, I, I realized that it wasn't my path to tour the world, you know, playing in front of millions of people. Um, but I have another skill set, and that's you know, talking to people and understanding how to buy and sell real estate and what makes a good investment. And it's taken me a little, uh, a little bit of time to kind of figure those things out. But I think if I could do it, I know that a lot of people can do it. Anybody really, if they put their mind to it, they can put a few of these pieces of the puzzle together, sort it out and, and do it. And, uh, and so that's, you know, kind of 
my history and when I got into real estate investing, you know, I was fortunate enough to have a mentor, my father, who had been in it for about 15 years at that point. And I really got to understand uh, how to how to go buy and fix and flip properties and contracts and do lease options and and use trusts and all that kind of stuff. So what uh, you, you've done a lot of different things. Has there been like a niche that you've focused on or has it kind of evolved through the years? Oh, it, it it's always evolving. I mean, it's it's evolving today. Uh, you know, I see uh, various points in the market cycle where fix and flip is fantastic, where wholesaling is fantastic, uh, where long-term holds are fantastic. You know, we see uh, today right now, we've got some funky things going on with multifamily. And that's because four or five years ago, people got into loans that they never thought would recast into these, you know, seven, eight uh, percent interest rates. And now what do they do? So if you know some of what's gone in in the past, you can sort of pre-plan or at least have a vision of this may or may not happen. And if yeah. this does happen, what can I pivot to or how do I restructure things so that I don't lose everything? like a lot of people did in 2008, 2009. So I think it takes a lot of kind of understanding of history, repeating of market cycles, even if some of those cycles are really long drawn out. Um, so I'm looking at, you know, where's the next, uh, you know, downturn, where's the next upturn? What are the opportunities involved in in each of those parts of the market cycle? If my math serves me correctly, you said uh, we said 27 years up about. So that means you start investing around 1996 ish. Um, yeah. You've seen some stuff. 96. Yeah, exactly. I mean, boy, from, from 92 to 98, probably the real estate market was just straight flat line, no increase in value or very little. Yeah. Uh, to then skyrocketing in in value uh, up until really 2006 ish, mm -hmm. um, probably a couple maybe a, a few bumps along the way. The dot com I think uh, created a little bit of a bump, but you know for yeah. the most part. Uh, and, and then obviously we all know what happened from there. You know, crash and then the latest boom, and now potentially bust or at least flatlining, uh, depending yeah. on what you're in, if you're in residential flatlining, if you're in commercial, uh, again, we're, we're seeing, you know, multifamily, I'm in multifamily, we're seeing 20%, sometimes larger, uh, price declines, uh, offices yeah. seeing, uh, even worse. Um, yeah. you know, so, so anyways, we've seen, you've seen a lot of different things. Um, yeah. Take us through kind of maybe some of your experiences with those cycles. And um, I guess really what I what I want to know from you uh, beyond some of these experiences is what have you learned from cycles? Like what's the take home that you can give to our audience about these market cycles? Sure. Well, I, I think it's a really important uh, question and topic, not just for a discussion, but for continual thought. Yeah. Because yeah, this is a big, you know, we could talk for 
days about this, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think that people should be pondering this, if not daily, at least monthly and assessing. Um, you know, my father had started in 1980. So that's where it all began for me. You know, you have sort of experience even prior to that, watching him yeah. and his path. Yeah. Oh, a lot. I mean, I remember sitting in the car with my mom and my sister, and, and I think we were going somewhere in, in 1980. So I was probably 12, 13 or so. Mm -hmm. And and he comes out of some office in Sarasota, Bradenton. I can't even remember where it was. And uh, came out with a check with like $18,000, hmm. which, you know, at that point, you know, he'd had a stone installation business, you know, put it on the front of houses or fireplaces. And then it trans, you know, transitioned into a stucco business. And then suddenly he walks out with this massive check because he learned how to flip a contract. Hmm. And his lights went off and my lights went off. And, you know, we're, we're, we had a party that weekend. It was a blast. And it changed how how not only he saw the world, but we saw the world. And you fast forward through, you know, 1986 and I graduated high school. And at that point, he'd probably amassed 40 homes or so uh, in a portfolio where he bought them uh you know, on land contracts and then would resell them on land contracts. Mm. And at that point, you know, uh, the Reagan era, uh, they changed some tax laws, a capital gain tax law of, I think, the Tax Reform Act of 87. Yep. And essentially what happened is they said, look, if you sell a property this way, you have earned a capital gain, and you now owe the taxes on it, even if you haven't realized that capital gain. Right. And that shook him to the core, and it shook us. And it became one of those things where he lost uh, essentially everything and had to start over because you know the IRS is like, you've got to pay all this money. And he's like, I didn't get any of the money. Yep. So that right there showed me and is really clearly done with what's happening, you know, in the last two years with interest rates. We can't predict what a government is going to do or what the Fed is going to do. We just, I mean, some of us can, but, you know, guys like you and I, we have well things in the background. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and even the people that quote unquote can predict it are wrong. They're, they're always wrong. Yeah. I mean, nobody predicted what happened. Right. Some people said interest rates are going to go higher than what the general market said, but yeah, they were wrong. The, the forward-looking curve is always wrong. Yeah. I mean, you. so, so really, even if everybody's wrong, um, it doesn't matter if you're really super smart, intelligent, you know, you've got a 230 IQ, you can't predict some of this stuff. Yeah. What you can do, and my lesson, big lesson from all that was you can prepare mm -hmm. and have potentials. What can you do if this happens? What else can you do if that happens? And how do you, you know, how do you organize your portfolio and your business to make those pivots? If you can, if you need to, you know, um, 
Tony Robbins talks about this guy back in Vegas, you know, who made, you know, 250 million. And then, you know, he's like, I'm going to turn this into a billion dollars or whatever. And, and then, you know, Tony's like, you just take some of the money off the table, take, take 30 million off the table and just put it on the side. And the guy's like, do you know how much money I can make with $30 million, Tony? And then he grows it to a billion. And Tony's like, take some money off the table. Take just a hundred million off the table. The guy's like, you know what I can make with that? And then lo and behold, you know, two years later, he's lost everything. Yeah. You fast forward 10 years, he's still never recovered. So the, the idea of your ego taking over or your confidence taking over, um, you just, you need to prepare for the unknown and you know, that's really one of the biggest lessons I know about market cycles. You can't predict, but you can prepare. I think that that's a huge takeaway, right? You, you, you can't, you'll, you're never going to predict this stuff. You're never, you can, you can run through every scenario and yeah. you're, you're probably not going to have the answer to what's going to happen next. Okay. But you can prepare for it. And you can yeah. prepare for the scenarios enough to where when something, when that black swan happens and the black swans ev events happen every five to seven, maybe, maybe 10 years at the most. Okay. We we've had two yeah. now over the last, uh, what three years. So you had COVID and yeah. now you've got interest rates. Um, yep. those are, those are black swan events that, Nobody, nobody predicted COVID, right? And, and very few, if any, predicted where interest rates truly went. I mean, a lot of people said they're going to go up, but nobody said they're going to go up where they were. But quite frankly, yeah. most people said they can't go up that high because the government can't afford for it to go up that high. They'll literally bankrupt themselves, so they can't do it. Well, yeah. okay, logic says that you're right, and so we're not going to account for it. But if you didn't account for it, now you're sitting here going, crap. I didn't yeah. take any chips off the table and now I'm right. screwed. Right. Yeah. And so we can't predict these black swan events, but you can prepare for them. And I think the other thing too, though, is understanding that you can't let that fear of the black swan event cripple you from moving right. forward. So be prepared, be smart, but don't let it cripple you and say, Oh, something bad's going to happen. I don't, I got to be super, super careful. It's still about taking yeah. risks. What did you think in, you know, in January, February, March, right as COVID was starting to process and then moving into, say, June of, you know, 2020, when COVID hit, what was your thought of what's happening, what's going to happen to the housing market? Do you remember? Yeah, I mean, I I thought we were all screwed. I, I thought <laughs> totally I told my wife. So here's <laughs> I had two properties that we just got done remodeling. These are a total of 204 units just got done with the, the well, we'd still had some units to remodel, but we, we got done. I think with like, it was like 48 units total that we just wow. remodeled and we were just bringing to market. Right. Like, Crap. Like, what am I yeah. going to do? The world just shut down and I got all yeah. these units and, and the government say, telling people they don't have to pay their rent and all mm. this stuff. And I'm like, I'm screwed. Like, 
I don't know yeah. what to do. I literally told my wife, I said, it's good. Hey, well, it, it, this could get really rough really quick. And I don't know yeah. what we're going to do. And yeah. I said, we're just, we're going to pray about this and we're going to, we're going to make it through together. And Put your seatbelt on, honey. Right. <laughs> yeah. And and happily that didn't happen. People still paid their rent because yeah. they didn't have yeah. to, right? Nobody right. had to pay their rent. But what's yeah. amazing and this like gave me a, uh, a, I guess just like people are actually pretty good people. Like people are good. Like that's yeah. amazing because they didn't have to pay, but they paid. And a few people didn't, right? And some sure. people it was because of hardships. A, a few people is because they just aren't good people. But for the most right. part, yeah, yeah. you know, 95% of our residents still paid their rent, actually probably even higher than that. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's still, it worked out. And we got those units all rented. We were 90% occupied by like July. Yeah. So Wow. What, and did you think that it was like the impetus? My thought at the time was like, this is it. We've been waiting for the market to crash. And, you know, here we are. Yeah. This is the straw that breaks, breaks the camel's back. And then, huh? What's going, you know, you fast forward to November and like everything yeah. is exploding. Yeah. Right. Right. It was, yeah. How it's does a, this it's math a, work? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was an odd thing. It worked backwards. It was almost yeah. the black swan event that, you were waiting for um, right. destruction and it ended up being the opposite yeah. as far as real estate went. It was the black swan event that made real estate go up faster, quicker and and higher than it's ever gone before. It was, it was like, yeah, you know, just putting, pouring gasoline on a fire. It, it, it was unreal. It, it, it really is. And, you know, here in Puerto Rico, I was watching, you know, some properties and, you know, a house that was selling for $5 million, beautiful home is now, you know, I think at its highest was 17 million mm. wow. a year ago. Wow. And and you're just like, how does that happen in two and a half years? Yeah. Well, That's amazing. demand, of course, you know, location. Okay. So, I, you know, I, I'm, how can you predict? Yeah. It's not that I'm stupid because I didn't see that prices were going to go through the roof. It's not because of anything not paying attention it's yeah. because there's other factors that you just can't anticipate, such as remote work becomes the norm. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. I've been, I, I mean, Puerto Rico is a perfect example. Uh, I've been wanting to buy a place in the mountains. I love to ski. So I've been wanting to, well, prices there just absolutely yeah. skyrocketed. Anything yeah. close to a ski resort, it, it's, it's tripled, quadrupled, maybe even more in price. And it's like, I, I guess I'm not going to buy there, but <laughs> right. you know, how do you, how'd you, you couldn't have predicted that. Um, yeah. yeah. In hindsight, it's easy by the way. So, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Roger, what, what are you like looking at today's market? What are you hmm. um, excited about and what are you cautious about, or maybe concerned cautious uh, about? Well, so I think that caution is a a factor of season of life. It, it you know in in large part. I'll be fifty six in a couple of weeks, and you know preservation uh, is becoming more important to me as mm -hmm. opposed to explosive growth. So, sure. what am I getting more cautious of? 
obviously my personal time. Um, I don't have the work, uh, the desire to work for 15 hours a day, like I did when I was 35, <laughs> you know, maybe you're experiencing some of that. Um, maybe some of your listeners can understand that if your um, ability to regenerate lost capital um, is easier when you're younger, uh, you know, that, that's been a, that's been important to me this last year. I don't know what happened when I turned 55, but the couple of weeks prior and a few weeks after just really sort of reset a bunch of different things in my brain. I don't know why. Um, maybe, maybe I do know why. Um, but you know, <laughs> uh, so, you know, I'm excited about kind of what I know about where things might go, what things might happen. Uh, and I, I'm excited to have been around uh, enough scenarios and enough really smart people, you know, and, and more and more every day, you know, people giving me this little bit of information over there, that little bit of information, me putting that into, to, you know, the hopper and, and kind of putting it all together and, and, you know, just seeing what is going to happen in the housing market. You know, there's a lot of chatter today. Uh, today is what the December 15th. There's a lot of chatter today about people um, being able to get into um, the properties now that the interest rates are going to go down. You know, the Fed yep. announced was it yesterday that the 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 lending is going to the interest rates are going to go down. So that's going to explode. You know, the buying uh, power of people. Yeah. So the prices are going to go up and, you know, I mean, all these different uh, hypotheses of what is about to happen. Some of that is exciting to me. Some of it is like, well, maybe, right? maybe that's going to happen. Yep. You know, maybe people just say, you know what? I don't want to do much of anything right now. I'm going to, I'm going to wait this one out as well. And, and yeah. I'm not building my world around those types of hypotheses, you know, I'm building, you know, what can I get? How can we improve it? And how can it start generating cash either on day one or day 181, you know, and, and just building those slower cash flows and still building in one or two bigger chunks, you know, fixing and flipping a house or, you know, developing a house, uh, building a luxury home. You know, I just finished one of those and it took a year longer than I wanted. The contractor just didn't finish it on time. So how do that I- That was just a product of a contractor that was taking too long or what? how does something like yeah. that happen? Well, you know, uh, there's several factors. And I don't want to dive too much into it until some of it's resolved. Sure. And I, I'm thinking that some of that's going to get resolved through the legal channels uh, over the next six months. Yeah. But the property finally got finished. Yeah. Um, uh, several weeks ago. Um, and, and it was just one of those things where it was mismanaged. Mm -hmm. And even, even with skill and experience, you know, you can't predict when the lumber is going to show up, 
Yeah. Or when the tile is, you know, gets delivered or if, you know, as I don't know if you're into much construction, I'm guessing you are with 3000 units, you know, we have a labor shortage in the construction industry yeah. and that just drags everything out. And so when somebody says, look, I know I can get this project done in X number of days and it takes you 10 times the amount, you know, because of yeah. labor, you know, is it labor or is it mismanagement? Both. And yeah, absolutely. Both. Yeah. Yeah. You can't have, you, you can't, you can't have it just be a labor issue. It's just, a, it, it's definitely a mismanagement issue as well. Yeah. Um, material shortage. Sure. It's, it's all kinds of excuses we had, Roger, by the way, you talk about that. We, you say you, you got delayed a year. We got delayed over a year and a half um, on a project. And we actually fairly recently finished it, but it was supposed to finish at the end of 2021. And this contractor is 122 unit renovation. Um, this contractor just took forever. And it yeah. was everything you said, uh, materials and cabinets were supposed to come. And 18 weeks later, the cabinets finally show up, you know, and they show yeah. up in pieces. And so we got to make new orders. And 10 weeks later, the rest of it shows up <laughs> and so on. Right. And there's all yeah. kinds of excuses. And it's a lot of it's labor excuses. But a big part of it was mismanagement, both on the contractor's part, both on the project manager we heard and, and on our part as well. Yeah. And so... You know, you got to point fingers at yourself just as much yeah. as you might want to point fingers at other people, but it was a chore. It's a disaster sometimes, and that's what's going to happen. It's tough to underwrite to that, but I think what's really important for the listeners to understand is when you think a project is going to take, um, you know, six months, you want to yeah. make sure you add a nice big buffer to that. When you think a project's going to cost you a hundred thousand dollars, make sure you put in a nice big buffer. Do you have buffers that you put in and and uh, like a whatever percentage or a, an amount that you really it like to adhere to that you found? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it was always twice as much and twice as long, right? Yeah. And so I budgeted for twice as much. I budgeted for twice as long, <laughs> you yeah. know, uh, because. Okay. So I'm not, you know, I, I like to say I'm, how do I say it? I'm not as smart as I think I am, <laughs> you yeah. know, I mean, I think I'm smart. I think that I can see all of these different things, these permutations of how it may happen. And man, you know, you just, you're not going to be perfect. Nope. So if anybody, so any, any of your listeners Anybody paying attention to this knows if they've been into three or more real estate investments or deals or whatever they call it, they understand to a degree that it's not going to go the way it, they're thinking it is. The beginners, they think, no, 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 I, I'm smart enough. I know how yeah. to do it. I'm like, look, I started 27 years ago and I still don't get it all right. Yep. And that's okay. And you said a year and a half, and you know that you have to point the finger at yourself. Where I could have done it differently was I could have stayed in Palm Springs, and California is where this house is, and just been on site every single day. But what's more important to me? That's only one of my projects. You know, I've got these mobile home parks scattered throughout the country. I've got this resort 
that I got into last year, you know. So it's not my only thing. And for me, that's more critical to know that this is a small portion of my portfolio. Sure. And that's helped me to offset some of those concerns that I might have. Not not offset them that they're not important or I could just walk away from, you know, $200,000 in profit on it. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about that's not my main focus and it's not my only source of income. Yep. And I think that, you know, we have to pay attention to those balances of, right. you know, income versus uh, negative income, if you will. Yeah. And for you, it sounds like, look, uh, I, I could go there and I could be boots on the ground, but, and that might help that project, but what damage is it going to do to my other projects? Right. What, what's yeah. going to, what's going to suffer because of that? I think that's something you really have to think about for us. I think the biggest thing that we should have done is fired the people that were in charge, right? We, we should have fired the contractor yeah. way sooner. Uh, we eventually did fire them, but, it, but oh, wow. way too late. Um, yeah. We should have fired them. We should have fired the project management company. Mm. Um, it, but we didn't. And because you're listening to the promises and sometimes that's, uh, I don't know if you deal with this. I'm sure you do. You get people that tell you they're going to do something and they tell you they're going to correct things and you listen yeah. and you pay attention and you say, okay, and you give them that second chance. And I think to for me that it comes from, and maybe I haven't figured it out because I make this mistake too often, but it, I think it comes from uh, a couple places, a place of fear, a fear if I do fire them, that we won't find the right person to take over and we'll lose a lot more time and money. And then mm -hmm. it comes from, I think, a place of a um, almost too much trust in in people. Like if pe mm -hmm. somebody says they're going to do something, they're of course they're going to do it. They told me they were, mm -hmm. um, and and I allow that person to continue to to disappoint over and over and over again. I don't know. Are, are you the same? Do you have that? Oh yeah, completely. <laughs> you know, I I flew to Palm Springs. So flying from Puerto Rico to Palm Springs is an entire day, right? And, and I flew there, gosh, it must have been the end of August. And he's like, I just need, you know, two more weeks. I'm like, I told you beginning August 1, you needed to be done no later than August 30th. He goes, I just need two more weeks. I'm like, okay. So I flew back out there two weeks later and it was still a mess. Like it still wasn't done. And it was like one of those things where, okay, I listened to him again. You know, we're already eight months past due yeah. on this and I'll come back. So I'm, I'm coming back in two more weeks. So I literally went to Palm Springs, was it three times in seven weeks, which mm. is brutal traveling, you know, yeah. and yeah. it still didn't get done. So and and I, it just... It, you know, what point do you, do you actually fire the guy? It, you know, yeah. do you, do you move that up in your timeline? You know, is it, is it you being a nice guy and allowing somebody to uh, take advantage of you? Uh, I think there's some of that. Yeah. Yeah. You I know. think you should have fired him. 
And I think you should have fired her probably earlier than you did. But yeah. again, it's difficult to make that choice. For me, it, it, yeah. it uh, is a reoccurring theme in my, probably one of my weaknesses is firing people uh, and allowing them to hang around far too long. And, you know, it it is one of my weaknesses that I'm trying to work on, but I probably have to just hire somebody to fire people. <laughs> so so if, if you were coaching me, how would you coach yeah. me on that? Tell me, you know, tell me your process of that. And then maybe it applies to you. Yeah. So look, uh, if I were to coach you on, on your project, you mean? Yeah. I'm firing this guy. Yeah. So look, if you were telling me about this project and what was going on, I mean, I would have to see the whole context of the project, sure. but for this short conversation that we're talking about, if you're telling me about this and I'm mentoring you and, and I'm listening to what you're saying, and, and this is continuing to get delayed. First of all, we're asking questions like Roger, why, why are we, why is this getting delayed again? That guy, he told you that he was going to be at, at this, you know, point in time, he was going to be done with X, Y, and Z. And he's not, yeah. but he told you the same thing the last time. Why, why aren't we there? And you, you give me your excuses or your reasons for it. And we have to go, okay, Roger, we can't just keep pushing this project off. What I need you to do is go out there and I need you to start looking for other contractors that can finish the project and start getting bids. And I, would, I need you to secure three to five bids on this project and fire this guy. And, and by the way, don't, you don't need to wait until you have the next contractor secured because here's what it just continues to get delayed and you continue to owe this guy money and the relationship is just going to sour and it's not worth it. I've been there and I've done yeah. it and fire him and walk away and move on to the next contractor. It feels like it's going to delay the project. It feels like it's going to cost you more money and it might cost you more money, but it will get this project done and it, it will not delay it any further. And time is value. Time is money. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think, uh, right. I'm giving myself a coaching lesson. I'm giving you a coaching lesson. Right? Yeah, that's why I asked it. <laughs> uh, but it's easier said than done. And I think that's yeah. the difficult part is you know it in your heart that you should probably fire this person, but you're also, again, it's that fear. And it's that we, I think most people generally have a good heart and they don't want to fire somebody. I don't want to get fired. So I know I don't want to fire people. Yeah. Um, so I think that's, I think it's just a challenging thing. You Maybe you just got to find somebody that you hire that just doesn't have feelings. Let's, let's do that for each other from now on. Okay. Yeah, right. If, if I, if I run into that situation and I'm calling you up, Hey Todd, I I'm, I'm ready to enlist you to fire this guy. And you call me up and you say, Roger, I need you to let go of this guy for me. And then that way, you know, we don't have to worry about it. Well, I that think brings that... us to a great point, Roger, because how valuable are mentors in your life? Ugh, huge. Huge. And, and, and for me, I've had some mentors that have added so much value. Had, mm. had I asked those questions, I probably would have gotten better answers, right? And so think about who you're surrounding yourself with too. And I think yeah. you're doing some mentoring now. No, I know. Yeah. I know you are. 
Um, yeah. And, and what, so let's, let's talk quick about that. Like why, why did sure. you decide to do this? You've been successful in your career. Why mm -hmm. did you decide you're going to start doing this? You know what? It's, it's something that I've kind of always done. You know, people always have asked me as I'm sure every active investor knows people are always asking, Hey, how do I do this? Hey, how do I do that? And I love that process. I, you know, I am a natural, like, uh, educator. Uh, I want to teach people. I want to share with people. I want to give, um, and, and I just want to help. Yeah. And I was at a Tony Robbins event four and a half years ago, business mastery in Las Vegas. And, you know, it somehow it finally clicked. I love real estate investing, and I'm not getting some of my six human needs met. I don't know if you've ever done a Tony event, but he talks about the six human needs. And one of those uh, is contribution. And I don't feel like I've ever really been able to contribute mm. as, as much as I've wanted to back to people, even though, yeah, we've hired hundreds of people and we built beautiful homes and we've done all of this stuff and, and it's impacted people positively. My juice is from having one-on-one -on -one conversations or one-on-five conversations of people and saying, hey, if you do this and if you put this house into a trust, here's what it'll you know benefit your errors or how do you structure you know an investment better for you down the road. Those types of things have always given me a lot more juice and a lot more uh, feelings of um, contribution, you know, which helps me feel fulfilled. Yeah. And, and I've missed a lot of that feeling of fulfillment as an investor. Um, and I, again, I couple that with my desire to educate and my sort of natural inclination for that. And that Tony Robbins event, I walked away and I'm like, I see it now. I'm finally understanding how do I put all of my personality, my experience, all of it together. And it's taken me literally four years to kind of get this thing up and running and launched and have the right team and the right business partner uh, out of my world. And, you know, just a whole host of things and finally launched this, um, the real estate investing accelerator founders group just a few weeks ago. And so um, somebody who's like, Hey, I, you know, I like, this Roger sure. seems like a great guy. He's, he's uh, been experienced for 27 years, which is amazing. By the way, there's not many people that I talk to that are experienced for 27 plus years. What's really funny is actually I've done three interviews this week and all three of them have had 25 plus years of experience, which is wow. very rare. By the way, yeah. I have interviewed a lot of people. And the vast, vast majority of them have less than 15 years of experience. It's just, sure. it's just how it is. Um, so it's rare to find somebody in your position. And it's even more rare to find somebody in your position that is actually willing to mentor people. And so yeah. that's, I think, a huge bonus. And I'm not necessarily trying to sell you. You're on this podcast. We're having a conversation. But yeah. if someone does like what you say. Yeah. Who's, who's the ideal client for you? Uh, I have a few, um, but I, being a real estate investor, I have learned that I have to start somewhere and focus on the one thing to begin with. So what I've decided to do is really start with beginning investors, people that want to start. 
you know, a few months down the road after I've kind of crafted, you know, the, 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 the program itself is built for sort of level two, if you will, people that have already been investors who want to scale. But right now I'm focused on the people who want to start. They've not bought an investment and they want to know what is step number one? Yeah. What's step number How two? How do I get to the closing of my first investment? That's who I'm targeting right now. Because those people, man, if they if they get the right information and they start taking the right steps, they can really grow their portfolio these next few years. Hmm. Yeah, I really believe that. I think that there's some tremendous opportunity right now, but I they think, have to take the first steps, right? Yeah, you have to take the first steps, and quite frankly, like I think there's tremendous opportunity. And even if there isn't, you have to, you still have to learn. You still have to take the right steps. Yeah. There's real estate. There's a lot of timing in real estate, but there's also time in real estate. That's important as well. And I, I think that. a lot of people um, try to try to time the market too much. And so mm -hmm. I, I would just suggest if you're listening to this and you're just like, mm -hmm. I want to, I, I do want to get started. And I'm not telling you to hire Roger or hire me or hire anybody else, right? Yeah. But I think the most important part is you got to get yourself educated yeah. and you got to get yourself ready and prepared because you won't get started if you never do that, right? And it's going to be, and then, and then it's going to be too, not too late. That's a bad way to say it because it's never too late, but you're going to miss the opportunities that were in front of you. Because you weren't prepared and you weren't ready. Yeah. Well, and and the corollary to that is that if you don't prepare and you still start, <laughs> right? <laughs> the 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 leap before you look sort of thing, you know, uh, jumping into a lion's den doesn't do you any good either because that can really delay yeah. your profitability. Oh, and so, you know. Just just buying a house because you know you can doesn't necessarily mean it's the right house. By the way, even so, when you even if you are educated and you do get ready to go, the first few deals aren't going to go exactly as you plan. In fact, the first ten deals aren't going to go how you plan, and maybe even the first you know three hundred deals aren't going to go as you planned. Uh, but I'm not sure I've seen any go <laughs> as planned. Have you? <laughs> They never go as planned, but they never those do. first those first few deals are there's I mean you're on you're, you got your training wheels on and you're making yeah. you're making mistakes and and you it, it just yeah. it just is that that's how it is. But if you've got people that you've surrounded yourself with, if you've got mm -hmm. the education that you've put forth, and you've got that determination and the right mindset, you're gonna be you're gonna be fine, right? Absolutely. Um, you're going to still have bumps and bruises. That's okay. That's sure. just, that's just part of the deal. Yeah. Um, Roger, what's, uh, what's a mistake that you have made? It can be in investing and, and whatever. What's a mistake that you've made in business and how can you teach our listeners? Gosh. Talked about um, already, so, yeah, I think that the biggest, I think that there are two, but I'll, I'll focus on the one. Is it my assumptions have killed me? Let's say it that way. Um, I assume that this guy knows what he's doing and therefore will do what he's supposed to do. Or I trust that my bookkeeper is doing, you know, setting up the books the right way and I'm not checking 
to make sure that it's done right every month. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm assuming that, uh, you know, what the real estate agent is telling me about this particular market is, is good, but not checking it. Those assumptions and all assumptions um, need to be tempered and they, you need to go through a process of asking yourself is, you know, okay, so what if I'm wrong about this assumption? Yeah. And, and maybe even the first question is, is this an assumption or is this a fact? Mm. Yeah. And, and if it's an assumption, what might be wrong about the assumption? And if I'm making that assumption and it's wrong, what are my potential ways to get out of this? Mm-hmm. You know, and this kind of the thought process of how to evaluate how we're doing whatever we're doing. I think that's a really important thing. And that, you know, is very esoteric, I get. Um, you know, I could tell you, you know, how to how to price out, you know, a multifamily, you know, complex that's 260 units, you know, based on a cap rate in, you know, a tertiary market. But that's for a specific person. I think everybody has to start really looking at their assumptions. Yep. You know, we're talking about, you know, interest rates right now for the housing market. Okay, so we're all making assumptions. Well, the Fed's going to drop it three times. What if they only drop it once? What if they only drop it twice? Or what What if if they they drop it it? six times? Yeah, what if they raise it, you know? And and then you know we've we put all of this other stuff into motion to to buy or to sell or whatever, and they raise the rates. What? How do we? You know, what if we're wrong? So, I think that that's a major thing that has really impacted my um, investment philosophy over the last probably five years. Hmm. Just really checking my assumptions. Yeah, I mean, is, is, the, that... is this contractor going to actually complete the project on time? <laughs> is it going to take them a, a year longer? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> yeah, I think it you know it goes back to that old saying, right? Trust but verify. It's mm-hmm. yeah, you can look at some of these assumptions, and, and I think you're right. First of all, go is are these facts or assumptions, and then there, are these assumptions do these assumptions even make any sense? And if you go okay, these assumptions make sense, then we should have to verify these assumptions. Then we have we have to look at what we have had for our experiences, what other people around us have had and go, okay, do these assumptions make sense? And even if they do make sense, okay, what can we do to safeguard against these assumptions not working out the way we we planned? So love that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, All right. We have to wrap up here. This has been a a fun conversation. I'd love to keep going. I'm going to come to Puerto Rico and we're going to, we're going to hang out. So Absolutely. Uh, Roger, what, what's a favorite book that you can recommend to our listeners? Uh, gosh, everything, literally everything by Tony Robbins. Uh, um, uh, the Road what's, Less what's, what's Stupid. What's one of his top books oh, that you like? Gosh, I mean, you know, you start at the beginning, Unlimited Power. Uh, then you, you know, Awaken the Giant Within. His newest book, Life is it Life Force? phenomenal stuff on where the uh, life health industry is headed, you know, printing of hearts in the next 10 years. Hmm. That's crazy. But as far as like the business stuff and, and this idea of assumptions uh, was really important to me and sort of discovered by Keith Cunningham. Um, I'm not sure if you know who he is. 
phenomenal thinker. But what what uh, what what book do you remember? Yeah, it's called The Road Less Stupid. Phenomenal book. Yeah, I mean, he's just a yeah brilliant (laughs) thinker and businessman, and he you know um, he he lost I don't know. 100 million, whatever, $100 million when he was 35 mm. and had to retool everything and all of his assumptions and his idea of, you know, assumptions uh, was really impactful for me. So that's where I get some of that thinking and the, the line of questioning in his, you know, he calls it thinking time. Brilliant, brilliant stuff. I, I love that book. Keith J. Cunningham, The Road Less Stupid. Love it. Love it. Appreciate that. Yeah. Um, all right. Last question before we wrap up. What are your three pillars of wealth creation? The three pillars of wealth creation. What a, what a phenomenally difficult question. <laughs> I love it because <laughs> I get so many different answers and wealth means so yeah. much different, so many different things for, for, for everybody. So I, I love yeah. asking it and hearing what people come up with. Yeah. I mean, look, I'm a compartmentalization type person. I'm a Capricorn, right? So I've got to put it into a a certain bucket. Are we talking about life wealth? Are we talking about financial wealth? Are we talking spiritual wealth, right? So the idea is I'm going to, since this is a real estate investing, I'm going to focus on the wealth, uh, financial wealth. Um, I would definitely say um, that one of those has to be real estate investing. Right, globally speaking, you know, and and you can narrow your own choices. Yep. You know, you and I buy single and multifamily commercial buildings. Some people buy and build skyscrapers, right? Um, so it depends on what you, where you are, what you're focused on. The other thing is the taxation. I think, you know, Tony Robbins has really sort of hipped me to the idea of we have to make sure that we're not foolishly pay, overpaying on our taxes, yeah. um, you know, uh, which is a part of the reason I moved to Puerto Rico. It's not the full reason at all. I mean, I'm 40 feet from the water and that is more critical to me than the taxes. Yeah. I could live anywhere in the States on a coast and I would be much happier um, to pay more taxes if I had to move out of Puerto Rico. Um, but I, I, I don't see myself ever not living <laughs> on the ocean, which is part of my wealth strategy too. Where are we in our season of life? And what sort of things are you participating in to allow and to um, excite your happiness? Mm. Right. And I see that before I could go grind and that I didn't mind working until, you know, playing drums until 3 a.m. You know, because I'm in my early 20s and that was really cool. I didn't care about living on the ocean. You know, but now being, you know, 55, that's a really important thing for me. I, you know, I, I, I just find that I can do all of the other things that I want now that I have a peaceful atmosphere. So for me, uh, in terms of literal financial wealth creation, that helps me being on the water. So I think that environmental aspect, you mentioned, you mentioned buying a cabin in the, in the mountains that's part of it for you, which makes perfect sense. Yeah. Love that. Love that. Yeah. Roger, um, 
appreciate the conversation. This has been great. And uh, I think the listeners can take a lot out of this. So my challenge to the listeners is just to take one thing that you heard from this episode and apply it, apply it today. And don't wait, just apply it today. Take one thing. Roger, how can our listeners get in touch with you, learn more about what you got going on? Yeah, you know, I'm all over social media, of course. Uh, I've been really pushing, uh, growing and expanding the uh, the reach that I have. If they want to just log into my website, go go there. Uh, they can sign up for my newsletter. They can learn about the, uh, the founders group, rogerking.com. It's pretty simple. Um, pretty simple. Yeah. Awesome. And and I'm I'm happy to have conversations with people if they want to email me, Roger at RogerKing.com or DM me through any of the uh the social media places. Awesome. And make sure that they mention your name. Um, either Pillars of Wealth or Todd. You know, Todd sent me here. Um, yeah. so I know where we're we're finding this. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Roger, uh, we'll put that in the show notes. Again, appreciate you and you have a fantastic rest of the day. Hey, thank you so much, Todd. Same to you, man. And I appreciate your help. Hey, thanks so much for listening. I appreciate you being a loyal listener. Say, I would love to have you go on to our Facebook page and subscribe. Uh, give us a thumbs up. Go on to iTunes or wherever you listen and give us a rating and review. Don't forget to subscribe. Your rating review just helps us push this out to more and more people and continue to grow our audience and hopefully positively affect a ton of people out there that really need this and, and want this. So, uh, the other thing I've got for you is a free ebook on my website. So, go on to venturedproperties.com, venturedproperties.com, and download our free ebook uh, on real estate and on syndication. And I've got some data points in there, some really good stuff for you. So, I'd love to have you take a look at that. It's free, I'm not expecting anything from it. Uh, and, and also, look, if you want some help in multifamily, want some help learning, growing, getting your business off the ground, I would love to talk to you about what it would look like uh, to work with me potentially and see if that's a good fit. So you can go to coachwithdex.com and check that out and uh, we can definitely have a, uh, a call. Thanks a lot for listening. You make it a fantastic rest of the day. I'll catch you on the next episode.